So listen, I would imagine a lot of you like me when you were growing up and uh, you had a vision of your dad as Superman, right? Um, maybe like me, as you got into your teenage years, you started to think, you have those moments where it's like, hey, I can take him. You know, you got that feeling like I could take him, which was really stupid for me. I learned later on. I mean, my dad was 6'3". He was north of 225 pounds. He, he wasn't some sort of bodybuilder, but, you know, those guys who are long, uh, there's a lot of leverage there and uh, a pretty strong guy, uh, to say the least. Uh, but, you know, it's just something that we think that we can do until we learn better and we're not as foolish as we were when we were teenagers. And uh, I have to tell you that there's this one time that as I got older, um, I had my mind set straight on that thought. I was on a job site, and it was a government job site, and we were truck pouring all these posts. And uh, so we had been there the day before. We had a bunch of posts already poured. My dad showed up on the site, and because it was government job site, and it had high specs, and they had high you know, uh, just uh, inspections on things, uh, my dad was coming to check on what we were doing. Well, we had been shorting concrete on posts just because we were being lazy. Uh, next thing I know, my dad is like on a mini rampage. Um, and he's grabbing two-inch Schedule 80 posts with about 60 pounds of concrete around him, snatching him out of the ground, and swinging around the top of his head like some sort of gladiator games and throws it through the air. I I'm sitting there looking at 100 pounds plus going, flying through the air, uh, realizing I only weighed like 135 at the time. And I'm thinking, man, um, my thoughts of being able to take my dad uh, radically changed. And, and here's the thing that's interesting my dad was always a pretty mild-mannered individual. Um, he never demonstrated that kind of like a mini rampage he had, never directed at me, uh, never directed at anybody that I know of, to be honest with you. But you know what? In that moment, I had a far greater respect uh, for the authority and the power uh, that my father had. And, and from that moment on, I never had that thought, hey, I could take him because I knew better. Uh, you know, from that moment on. I hope that that little personal illustration from my life helps you get your mind wrapped around this story. I want to talk about last week, we started talking about faith over fear. We, we started highlighting this idea that there is elements of, of fear that lead us to faith. And listen, I would encourage you, if you didn't hear last week, uh, go back after this is over with, go check it out. You can either use our app, listen to the audio, or you can jump on YouTube, Facebook, Vimeo, watch the video of it. It really sets a great foundation for helping us better understand that. And this week, I want to look at a story, once again, another uh, story of the church in its, in its very beginnings. And, and it's a story that I'll be honest with you, it's kind of a head scratcher if you're new in taking steps of faith. Uh, maybe you're just trying to figure out this relationship with God. You might think, man, this is a weird story. But I'll be honest with you, I think it's like one of the most, uh, one of the best stories uh, for somebody who's just learning to take steps of faith, uh, to really think about and to focus on it and have a right understanding of it as well. It's about a, a man and his wife. Uh, they're part of the early church. The church is selling certain things and they're providing funds for other families in need. And so this uh, family, this husband and wife, they sell a piece of land and they decide, hey, let's keep half of it back and let's give half of it, which is perfectly fine. But the problem comes when they said, but let's tell them that we gave them everything. Let's tell them we gave them everything that we got from the sale of this land. So here's what happens. It says that they lie to the Holy Spirit. They drop dead. 
All right, great story. Let's read it together. You ready? It's in Acts. It's in chapter 5. And this is what we find as we look at that story and read it together. It's a little bit of a read, but let's take a look at it. Stay with me, all right? Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. Uh, With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and laid it, put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart, that you have lied to the Holy Spirit, and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Did it not belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not just lied to humans, uh, human beings, but to God, Peter says to him. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. A great fear seized all who heard what happened. I bet. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, this is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Kind of wild, right? I I told you it was. But you know what? I think sometimes when we read something like this, we get focused on the wrong things. And and I want to try and help us focus on what I think Luke, who wrote this account of the early church for us, intended for us to really see. Let me just simply say, let's talk about what's normative, all right, what's normal. This isn't normative. We, we don't see this happening every chapter throughout the Bible. In fact, we don't see this happening very often, all right. Uh, God didn't show up and, and pull posts out of the ground and sling them over his head in a display of power and authority like this all the time. You know, just like in my life, once was enough. <laughs> when I saw it, I knew. And, and in this regard, I think that what God is trying to do is guard his church, and he's trying to set the right pattern for the right kind of faith from his church as well. Now, when we talk about Ananias and Sapphira, it's really not even about them. The story's not about them, and you're going to see that as we go on. It's not about them passing away right there at the feet of everybody either. And, and, you know, while they may have not been physically protected, one of the things it's really about is how God guards and spiritually protects his church, as I said, from the wrong kind of faith or the wrong kind of uh, heart that we see uh, Ananias display in this story. It's really more about a confrontation between Satan and the Holy Spirit. And maybe you didn't see that when we first read it, but let me make it clear. That's one of the very first things Peter said in verse 3. This is what he said. Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart? 
right there, Peter makes a point. This is, this is a confrontation uh, between the power of God and the power of Satan. It's a confrontation about Satan trying to disrupt the church from internal, internally. Think about it. He tried to stop the church ever from starting as he, as he brought about the execution of Jesus Christ. And now he's trying to disrupt and, and dislodge the church internally by bringing about people motivated with the wrong ideas within their heart, not motivated by true faith, uh, inter, intermingling in such a way with the church to disrupt uh, this beautiful unity that's displayed uh, prior to that as well. Now, the comparison that we see is important. I didn't read it. I would invite you to go back and read later. Read what comes before what we just read. Uh, read what we see before this. The, the comparison that's been given to us is powerful. It shows how all these people are bringing their, their, their goods. They're laying them at the apostles' feet. And uh, there's a guy named Barnabas. He sells a field. He brings the full amount. He lays it at the apostles' feet, which is his freedom to do or not do. It, it, this wasn't done because they had to. They do it, they're doing it because they want to. And then the very next story, it starts out with a but. But this guy, Ananias, whose heart is been tempted and filled by Satan, uh, he, he brings his gift and he lies about it. And the comparison is interesting. Uh, what happens is he drops uh, dead before the feet uh, of the apostles there. Now, the issue really boils down to Ananias wants the same recognition of faith, but without any of the sacrifice, without any of the, the, uh, the you know, the, the the commitment to it. This is what he's wanting. This is what he's looking for. As he saw in this Barnabas that came before him, he wants that same kind of recognition, people to look at him in that way. But here's the reality. Real faith always requires sacrifice and commitment for what God has done and promises to do. When faith is real, it's really, it, it comes, it's about what God has already done, what he's already accomplished. And then in doing that, what he promised he would do in the life of a believer, in the future and in the eternity of a believer as well. That's where real faith comes from. And this is so important. You know, no one's giving what they're giving because they have to. They're not being forced to. They wanted to. Their sacrifice, their commitment is a response. Their generosity is a response to the generosity that God has demonstrated to them. The sacrifice that Jesus has shown them. The commitment that Jesus is shown to them. And out of that heart, their faith is overwhelming. And Ananias thought he could just show up and pretend and act as though that, were, that, that it was the same, and, and yet it wasn't. You know, the really important point, too, is they weren't giving, in the story previous, in the comparison, these people weren't giving what they're giving in simply a manner to try and get something. Um, it, it was just a total act of faith, uh, not an act of, hey, I give, I get. That's not what was in their mind. However, in the mind of Ananias, that's what we see was in their mind. God had already done something amazing for them. Their response and faith was to that. Think of it this way. Real faith is a response to what God has done and not what we stand to gain in the world. What I simply mean by that is Ananias was just simply doing something to gain something other than God. Versus the comparison is the other individuals were just doing what they want to do because 
they, they wanted to honor God. They wanted to respect God. They wanted to essentially worship God. Um, and, and, and in their generosity, that's what they were doing. Ananias, he was after something other than God. It's not real faith when we're after something other than God, a closer relationship, a better understanding of him. And here's, here's the reality. You might be struggling with this because I, I know that I've struggled with this myself. Just being honest, there's times when I have been on my knees. I've been pleading with God. I've been praying to God, and I've been begging God. And maybe you know this prayer. God, if you fix my problem here, I'll stop doing this. I'll start doing that. I'll trust you more. I'll give you more. I'll do more. Um, I, I think that that's just a real thing that sometimes we struggle with. It's a reality of where we're at. And to be honest with you, there's sometimes where bartering with God seems absolutely reasonable, doesn't it? You know, God, if you can do this in my life, um, I can have a greater sense of faith and trust in you. I want to trade my trust in you for your power to adjust or fix my personal situation. And like I said, sometimes that seems perfectly reasonable. And the sad truth is there are people who will sell a cheap faith like that. It's a cheap faith that says, hey, if you just get the formula right, if you get the positions right, if you get the actions right, if you just go through the motions like Ananias, then everything that's bad in your life will get better and everything that's good will be infinitely more better, you know? And the reality of it is, is life just doesn't work like that. I mean, the reality of it is, is that we just don't get to skip over struggles or issues or situations. Um, the reality of it is, is that uh, this story isn't really about so much Ananias and Sapphira. It's really about the faith of the church that's demonstrated in how, in how Luke not only mentions this in the beginning, but he closes this story with this thought. And it's simply this, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. You know, they're properly placed fear of God led them to a right kind of faith, a uh, faith that motivated them to just simply know God better, to trust God more, to have a better relationship with God. A real fear leads us to a right faith, so to speak. But let me just say it this way. This is a little bit much too, but just write it down. Think about it throughout the week. Real faith believes God can do all things and continues to trust him even when he doesn't accomplish my thing. Even when he doesn't get what I want done, done. You see, real faith continues to believe he's a God who's on the throne, whose power is demonstrated in resurrection, whose promises have been secure from beginning of his word to the end and the beginning of my life to the end. It's, it's just so important for us to understand that real faith is knowing, hey, believing. God can do anything that I could ever imagine. But at the same time, I can still continue to trust him even when he doesn't do my thing. The way I wanted it. When I wanted it. How I wanted it. I know that's tough. But the reality of it is, life doesn't always go the way that we want it to, no matter what. But with faith in a God who has the power to hurl 
death uh, down or through the air. He has authority over it. In, in that regard, faith gives us the ability to stand firm, to find peace, to experience joy, even in the most difficult circumstances. Faith gives us the opportunity to know no matter how deep I am, no matter how dark it gets, there's always going to be light and there's always going to be an opportunity for elevation and a radical change in my circumstances and a radical change in how I feel right now. Uh, The faith that we can have in God really moves us in that regard. Think about it this way. The kind of faith moves us to know his ways are better than the world's ways. And that kind of faith helps us to know his future promises are better than the world's temporary gains. That kind of faith helps us to know that, you know, even though we have struggles and we have losses, uh, in those struggles and in those losses, it can be a catalyst for our faith to grow in ways that we never imagined it would be able to ultimately grow. A faith like that translates into active, uh, sacrificial, committed, and inspiring life. It touches yourself. It touches the people closest to you. It touches friends and people within your community as well. It can really move and transform life around you. And, and here's what I'm basically asking you to do. I'm inviting, I'm inviting you to take active steps of faith. Uh, to make a decision about something that you can or you believe that you need to do or something that you want to do to uh, basically say that I trust in God, I believe in God, I'm putting God as somebody that I'm going to follow. And do it, here's what's so important in regards to the context. Do it without placing demands on God. Don't do it based on what you want Him to do about fixing your personal circumstances. Do it based on what you believe He's already done. He's given you the power to be uh, completely forgiven of sin. He's given you the opportunity for eternal life. He's giving you promises of joy, hope, peace, and so much more that his word tells us. Do it based on that. And here's the thing. You may know what next step you need to take, and it may be big. I don't know. If you know it and you know it's big, all I can say is leap. I mean, jump. Do it. But you may be thinking, I don't know what step to take. I don't know where to go. I'm not sure what I'm I'm supposed to do here. Take it simple. Take it small. The simplest thing that you can do is just start reading his word entertain what he wants to say to you, how he wants to spend time with you. And it doesn't have to be massive. I mean, you don't have to sit down and start reading from Genesis to Revelation or something. Just pick up the book of John, the Gospel of John. Just read a couple of verses. Or maybe you want to read until something strikes you, but just stop and let whatever you're hearing resonate in your mind, in your heart, and just focus and be quiet and just let God be there with you in that moment. Uh, just be prayerful and, and, and change how you pray. Maybe like, hey, I'm a prayer. I'm a prayer warrior. But let me ask you a question. Every time you pray, is it always just a request? Is it always just asking God to fix this, change this, give me this, give my friend that or whatever? Have you ever just stopped and just said, I'm just going to pray nothing but praise? Just sit there and mention everything that comes to your mind that you're thankful for and give God praise for that. Mention everything that you think demonstrates his glory and say, God, I'm so glad you're glorified in this way. Just simply pray, God, help me to understand your wisdom more. Help me to have wisdom to see you more clearly. Change. Really seriously think about how you can change how you pray. Be generous. Some people are going to say, this is where he's going to say, hey, you should give to the church. Absolutely not. I'm going to say the exact opposite. Find somebody that you cannot benefit anything from who needs 
generosity in their life and be generous with whatever you have. Doing it just because you believe, or at least you're trying to believe, that God has been significantly generous with you, and you want to respond to that, and you want to show your generosity uh, to your community. It might even start with somebody in your home. With us being closed up in our homes for so long, I, I bet that there's probably been a few arguments that have happened. And this is a great opportunity to just simply display your generosity uh, as best as you can. And, and what about repentance? I know that that's like, a, that's like a bad, evil Bible word, right? Which simply means turning my heart to face God, to trust Him. Is there something you know uh, that God would want you to do, that God commands you to do, and yet you haven't done it? And you want to do it, you know you need to do it. Maybe your next step is just taking action to do that. Whether it's to do something, to stop doing something, or, or a combination of both. As you make room for God in this way, I think that your, your vision, your wisdom of Him, His knowledge, His presence, what He's done for you will only inspire you to understand what He's promising to do for you and to see Him show up in your life in a powerful way in an important way. I guarantee as you take steps and make room for him, uh, he's going to show up and show you himself even more fully. Uh, let's take the opportunity to pray. Father, we're grateful for this word. Uh, we're thankful for this very powerful and odd story. And Lord, while we struggle sometimes to understand all the details of it, I think sometimes we miss the forest for the trees. Uh, help us to see how you are guarding your church. Help us to see how your church, their faith, and even those who were witnessing what was going on uh, just grew tremendously uh, because of what you did here and what you were doing in their lives. Uh, Father, help us to have a faith that trusts that what you've done is powerful, to see it, to understand it, to see that historical footprint of the resurrection of your son to better understand the promises that you've made uh, as a result of that and what they mean in our lives. Uh, Father, help us uh, to begin to have this right kind of faith that trusts that you can do all things, but yet also still trust that you are God with all authority and with all power, even when you don't do my thing the way that I want it as I would desire it. Father, help us to have a faith that's being exercised and demonstrated for one sole purpose, that is to know you better, to see you better, uh, to understand you better. Basically, to have a faith that wants more of you. That's what we're after. That's what we desire. And I pray that you would bless and lead and encourage every individual who takes whatever step that they know they're able to take to try and achieve that and experience that. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.